out and touch somebody's hand. Make this place a better place. If you can, let, let's, we're going to change the last part where it says, if you can, and you're going to say, yes, I can. Okay? So reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this world a better place. Yes, I can. Reach out. Reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this world a better place. Yes, I can. All right. Yes, you can. This, <laughs> this, is the, this is the word that the Lord has given to me to encourage you that, yes, you can. He knows that a lot of us, yes, you're hearing that, and you want to reach out and touch. But you, you look at yourself and you think, touch? What, what do I have to give anybody? I have all this... I have all this history. I have all these skeletons in my closets. I have all those needs. I have all these limitations. What can I do? And I'm here to tell you that you are exactly the kind of person the Lord wants to use, which is probably something I've said before, that the Lord delights in using those people, using the weak. He says that he delights in using the weak because then his strength is made manifest in weakness. In fact, it is perfected in weakness. And if I can turn my Bible fast enough, I'm going to go there and read it for you so we can be sure that we are on the same page. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's somewhere in my Bible. Just need to find it. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has, has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to, push, to put to shame the, the, the things which are mighty, and the best things of the world to, and the things which are despised has God chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things which are, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. So no flesh should glory in his presence. Because if God uses somebody who's already got gifting, although he will do that too, too after he has dealt with that, with the pride, then the flesh might get glory. But if you're feeling weak and that you don't have anything to give, when God touches somebody, and God moves, then clearly people will know this is God. So you are exactly the person that God wants to use, is the first point. The next thing I want to show you that it's good for you, that when you touch, reach out and touch, it's to your benefit. Why? Because inside you is the Holy Spirit of God. This is the mystery of the kingdom of God, that God is in you. But it it is as, as though in most of us he is locked up in our spirit. He does not get to get out and touch the world, but he's there. The minute you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in the mystery of the kingdom of God, God, through the Holy Spirit, is in your spirit, right there in your belly. I think that's where your spirit is. I'm not sure. So the Lord is in there, and yet he's not moving out to touch the world. But the big benefit to you 
is that when he moves out to touch the world, whatever benefit he's passing to that person you're touching, it will touch you too. You're not going to flow goods to a stranger flowing through you, and they don't touch you. So it is to your benefit. Why? Because it will benefit you as it flows out. The rivers of living water, Jesus said over in John, that the, he, when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water will flow out of your belly. Not from out there somewhere, but out of your belly. Why? Because where the Holy Spirit is, that's life. And he wants those rivers to flow and touch other people. When rivers of life flow out of you, there's no death that is going to remain in you. It's going to flow from your spirit into your soul, into your body, the flesh, and death is going to be dealt with it, even as you go to touch that other person that is going to benefit. So you can do it. If you're weak, if you feel like you have a history, you have any kind of limitation, you are exactly the kind of person that God is choosing. He has chosen a donkey. I mean, he can use just about anything, right? He has chosen Rahab, the prostitute. I mean, how bad can you get? She was not just a prostitute. She was riding the city brothel. How bad can it get? And yet God chooses her to do one of the mighty works and put her in the line of David and of Jesus Christ. When you read through the Jesus Christ genealogy, there she is. And it's not even changed. It says Rahab was a prostitute because God wants to show us you're not bad enough. He can use that. The blood of Jesus Christ has dealt with any sin that you can do. There's only one thing that can stop God. Your unbelief. There's, your sin is no problem to God. He has dealt with it. He has given Jesus Christ. He has shed that precious blood. So your sin is not your problem. Unbelief. And that, of course, spawns fear. Is what is the main thing that is limiting you and limiting me. And if you think that, again, like I said, that your limitations are the problem, look again at those people that he used to change the world. Peter. Peter may not have been a prostitute, but she, clearly he wasn't brought up in, in, in the greatness of, of the things of God. He was not a Bible scholar. He was not even in the lineage of the priesthood. And yet, when God came to earth and wanted to create his church and to start the church, the people he chose are people like Peter. People like Judas, although Judas fell. He chose people like John, with the son of Bernadette, the son of fire. He chose the tax collector, Matthew. So Jesus can use weak people. Even one of the most people that impresses me most is when the Lord decided to come to the world. Who did he use? A young girl, 15 years old. I don't know that there's any bigger thing that you can do for God than to carry Jesus in your belly. But God did not choose the wife of the high priest or some lady brought up in royalty. He went and looked for a weak young girl, and that's how he came into the earth, the biggest miracle. So your, your limitations are not a limit to God. All he needs to hear from you is like Mary said, Lord, I don't know how this works, but be it unto me according to your word. So reach out and touch somebody's hand, and you will make this world a better place. Because you are not the problem. The only thing that stops you is the devil lying to you, really. Because that's the devil lying to you. You cannot do it. Look at that. And it's true. Rahab was the city prostitute. All those things are true. But then again, here is a higher truth. Jesus Christ and the perfect Lamb of God. So you can do it. The other thing of, or to your benefit is that when, when you do it, when you reach out, 
you, when, when, when you step out of your, of your comfort zone, it's as though you are opening the door of your heart. If you read in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says Jesus is knocking at the door. And if you open, he'll come and sup with you. He'll come and hang out with you. And when you read that, he's talking to the church. He's, he's addressing one of the churches in the book of Revelation. He's not talking to an unbeliever. So somehow we can lock Jesus out. And he's knocking at the door. And from what I, I, my experience and what I've read in the word, a lot of times, even when Jesus came, he did not come down, big show, kind of, you know, down with angels blasting trumpets. No. He was so insignificant. It says over there in Isaiah 53 that he had no, no attractiveness in him that we should be drawn to him. When he comes, he comes looking really ordinary. And in fact, when God is delivering your promise, the answer to that prayer that you're looking for, he will be a lot of times come as a need. Somebody else who's coming to your door asking for help. It could very well be that that's the very answer that the angel of God has sent. It says in Hebrews, I believe chapter 13, verse 1 or verse 2, telling us to be hospitable as one of the characteristics of the gospel because some people have entertained angels without knowing because when they showed up, they looked like the Jehovah Witness people. They knocked at the door <laughs> and you are nice to them. Or some other ordinary person, the Bible says be hospitable because that was the very angel that was sent from heaven to answer your prayers. But you have this wall that you've built up out of fear that, that you, don't, you don't open the door because you are afraid. You have been hurt. It's risky. You, 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 you don't feel adequate. So take the chance. Roll down the wall a bit. Maybe not all the way down the first time. And look over the fence and talk to that person across. And reach out over the fence to be safe and touch them as a start. Because it could very well be the angel that the Lord has sent to deliver that thing that you need. The other thing that, we, the other example we have is, is Jesus Christ. Over on Luke chapter 24, you will read about Jesus Christ with the disciples walking on the road to, the, to, to Emmaus. Jesus had been crucified, and, and these guys were beat down, they were distraught, and they were walking home. The whole thing they had invested all their life in had come crashing down. They had hoped this was the Messiah. So Jesus comes along, and he's talking with them, and, and he's just ex and explains to them the scriptures. But it says in verse 28, and I think I want to read this, Luke chapter 24, verse 20. Eight. So after, so verse 28, it says, Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther. So Jesus acted as though, okay, guys, see you. It was nice talking to you. As if he would go on. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward the evening. And the day is fast spent. And he went to stay with them. Now it came to pass that as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did, our hearts, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? You see what a profound thing. If they did not have that thing of hospitality, we cannot let this man go. It's evening. He get 
beat up by robbers or something. They had no idea it was Jesus. It was just a fellow who was talking too much. It was a heavy day and he wouldn't quit talking. So, so you'd be inclined to let him go, right? You need a break after such a heavy duty day. But the hospitality in them, the spirit of God in them really nudged them to be hospitable. Bring him in. And it was in that moment that they realized that this was the Lord. The Lord revealed themselves to him. So you could very well, it could be very, very well be Jesus trying to reach you. Here is a case where they would have missed Jesus himself if they had not responded to that thing that told them it is only decent to invite this gentleman into our house and spend the night because it's not safe for him to go on. So in spite of how you feel, reach out and do that thing that you feel is the right thing to do because it is the Holy Spirit actually. If you're a Christian, you'll feel the Holy Spirit nudging you. This is, only, this is just the right thing to do. This person needs help, and I am the person who is there when this need shows up. So really, I need to do something. But you have your flesh and your fears and the enemy on the other side saying it's risky. It could be a setup. He could, plus, it's a nuisance. We don't have an extra bed, whatever, you know. You have reasoning on the other side. But the Holy Spirit, if you listen, that still small voice, that you speak to your renewed mind, and it will tell you this is just the right thing to do. That's the Holy Spirit trying to get the rivers of life to flow out. So reach out and touch. It is good for you. You could be very well be hosting Jesus for dinner, for all you know. And, and you might miss it if you don't. The other point I want to make is that it makes a really, really big difference. Your little touch. It may not seem significant. It may not seem like you can do much. But your real touch can make a big, big difference. One of the big differences it makes is in eternity. Again, I go to the Bible in Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus Christ talking, giving his last, his 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 treatise on the last days and the judgments that will come. And he says, from verse 37, Then the righteous will answer. Oh, I'll, I'll back up a little and say, I guess I'll have to start all the way in verse 31. Okay, here we go. When the Son of Man comes, Jesus, in his glory in the last days, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right and uh, right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king, Jesus, will say to those on his right, Come, you blessed of, the, of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick? Or in prison and come to you, and the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, 
you did it to me. In as much as you did to the least of this, you did it to me. And these people, as you can see, did not know they were doing it to Jesus. They did not do it because they thought they were earning points in heaven. They were just, again, helping because they had the nudging that this is the right thing to do. They had the opportunity. This needy person was crossing their path, and they had the opportunity to help. And Jesus said, over there on Judgment Day, as you did to that person, somewhere else, he says, as you gave a cup of cold water to that person, you earn reward in heaven. So as you do that, it makes a really big impact. Although it may look small, your act of kindness, it is, makes a really big impact. And the first impact is in heaven. Jesus is blessed by it when you reach out and touch. So reach out and touch somebody's heart. Make this world a better place and get heaven smiling. It can't get better than this. So reach out and touch because it will make a really big difference. The other place it makes a very big difference is in that person's life. Even though at that moment, it may not seem so. And what you're giving them may not seem to you as a, as a, as a significant thing. And here I'll use an example from my life. I, I, I don't have this together, so don't go. I'm a donkey, okay? Don't put me up on a pedestal. Donkeys do, don't do very well up on pedestals. <laughs> oh, no, they, they'll crash. They, they'll come down really fast. But I, I remember so I, I came into the United States of America in two stages. The first stage, I came in to do a master's degree in night, fall of 1991 and graduated in the fall of 1993. If you all remember that time in history, it was a little like it is now. Raise your attention to the highest. There was the confirmation hearings of Justice Clarence Thomas. And there was some beating or something in Los Angeles. So I, I, I entered into the United States in the midst of that. Just bare bunny. And of course, as you may notice, I'm a little shaded, a little black. <laughs> and, and not knowing, not being new, the cultural shock and what have you, I sucked into it. I really got angry. I thought, this place is not a nice place. They don't really like black people. I think it should burn down, you know, <laughs> and all that. And, and, and I would listen to CNN and, and listen to all their, their, their trash that they talk. And, of course, they burn the frames as they are doing now. They'll feed it on and on and on and on. And of course, without having lived here to be able to process, tell the truth from the lies, I was drinking it in. And in fact, by the end of, of my program going home, I was so angry. I was grateful that for the degree and whatever you, but I was thinking that place is not fair. And, and you know what? I don't even think the Christian church in the US is really that nice. How, because that's what, as you listen to the media now, Ultimately, of course, they don't say the Christian church. They will say the right wing, the conservative, extremist, right, whatever. And, and the, it goes on and on. The liberal media will beat on that. And I was drinking that. And I was convinced that, therefore, in fact, maybe even God is not just. How come he was blessing this unjust nation and these unjust Christians? And, and I could see that the black folk didn't look like they were doing very well. How come God was not blessing? And I could have kept that. And it would have 
of course, been terrible because that's not the truth. Those of you who have hanged around me in the intercessory prayer meetings knows that I love the United States of America. I have seen the truth that this is a very loving lad. This is a very generous people. That, in fact, there's the media and all that left-wing people are really spewing out lies, just polluting. The truth is that this group of people is not a group of homophobic, racialistic, blah, 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 deplorables, right? <laughs> and this, is, this is not this group of people. But how did I get that converted from that to where I am now, to where I'm holding a prayer meeting on Saturday mornings to pray for the United States of America? You know how that did? There was one man I bumped into when we came in the next time. The next time I came in 1994 with my dear wife. And we ended up in a church on the west side, the Upper Room Christian Fellowship, and to the hands of a gentleman by the name Daruma Brashma, the pastor in that church. And although I was going to the church, I had that baggage in me. I don't trust you. You, you, you know, you're white. And although I'm going here because my wife insists, <laughs> if I had my way, I would go to a black church. That was my attitude. So I had all these things kind of going out of me. But this man reached out and touched. And he, it was just amazing, yeah. We did not even talk about race. But he was so, he just invited me to his life and loved me. And, and he, he, he gave me an old hug and gave me, called me brother. And I'm thinking, ah, oh. If you only knew what was in my heart. <laughs> and, and through, it was not, we did not talk about race. I did not even bring it up. But I saw and interacting with him and the other brothers in the church that all oh, this trash was trash. There's no way you could, you could stick any prejudice on this man. He wouldn't know it if it hit him on the face. I started to recognize that just like Pastor Bill is doing, he's out there in Africa. At the risk of his health, he has a heart troubles because he's driven by love. And those kids, if you notice, they are black. So if he had a racial problem, really. That <laughs> and at the same time, I'm in the university where I'm exposed to the, to the liberal thinking, to, the, to, the, to that worldview. And I recognize, in fact, I was involved in foreign aid type of research. And I even traveled on some of these. And I noticed the lies. Now, these gentlemen are not motivated by love. And unlike these deplorables over here that they are calling the deplorables, the, the Christian people, their hope of glory. Christ is not way up there, as big as he is. He is in you. It's a mystery, but it's the truth. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let him out, please. He, he wants to walk. And as he goes to work, he'll benefit you, okay? Don't lock him in now. And the other thing I, I, uh, along that line that is good for you, the Holy Spirit, is, is, is demonstrated in Jesus Christ when he multiplied the bread. You will recognize that, and that is in, in Matthew 14 and, and many other places that is repeated, multiply the bread to, to feed the 5,000 or the 4,000. He did not say, let there be 5,000 loaves of bread and then distributed them. It says he took the bread he broke it, he prayed, and handed it to the are investing out of their personal, Pastor Bill is sacrificing out of his personal life. These other guys are looking at this as an opportunity to, to, to draw money from the federal government and come up with a big program. And you know what they do? They profit out of it. 
They will travel to Africa. They will put up big seminars, living five-star hotels, and, and report back all these big things. They are profiting out of this thing. But the Christian church in the United States is laying down its life for people that, you have, no, that have no claim on you. But how did I get through that? I couldn't have walked my way through all those lies unless I had this man reach out and open his heart, really. And he never really talked about, we didn't talk. In fact, I would have been ashamed to bring up that subject because of the love that was flowing out of him. And just the openness and, and, and just going over, overboard. In, in, he was reaching out way beyond his call of duty, even way beyond what his duty is as a pastor. So he reached out, and he has changed me radically and many other people, I'm sure. But that's how I was able to see through the lies. So you're, you're reaching out, maybe having really big impacts on somebody that you may not even have in mind. I do not think he was thinking about changing my thinking about America and all that. He was just doing his duty. He had a heart to reach out to students, international students on the campus, and love on them. That's what he did. And through, but God was using that to do another work that he knew needed to be done in my heart, and I'm sure in the hearts of other people that he reached out to. So reach out and touch. You will do amazing things that you're not even aware in fact, I dare put it to you that this whole thing that is being flamed up by the forces of darkness to burn down the United States of America, the primary vehicle to, to, to dial it down is when you interact with your neighbor. You're not talking race. You're just doing life, reaching out and touching, not across the seas even, the, that person next to you, whoever crosses your path. Jesus Christ teaching about the about the Good Samaritan, he teaches about these people who are going from Jerusalem to Jericho. They were going, it's their normal life. That's what they did. But on your normal life, you cross this fellow that has been beaten up. So it is not necessary that you get on a flight and go to Sudan. But that person that crosses your path, reach out and touch. Do what you can. And the Holy Spirit in you is looking to do a much greater work than you, you are even aware of. So reach out and touch. Why? Because you can do it, no matter how weak you think you are, no matter how much history you think you have, no matter what you think, reach out and touch. Of course, follow the Holy Spirit. But, and if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit in you. It is that still small voice. It is not the, the voice of pressure, to some pressuring you to do things. No, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that still small voice with peace. And, and the resisting voice, you will know it's your flesh. You'll know it's, you don't want to take risks. So it's not people knocking down your door, demanding from an entitlement kind of worldview. No, that's not reaching out to touch. You are responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You can do it. You think you're weak. You think you have history. You think you have issues. You can reach. Jesus has used weak people. He loves to use weak people because then his glory is manifested. In fact, his strength is perfected in weakness. And thinking about that, I came, uh, my notes, I had a gentleman by the name of William Seymour, which most of you should be aware of, who started the Azusa Street Revival in 1906, the son of a slave, very humble background. But when God wanted to start the, the, the Pentecostal Revival, that has changed the whole world, who did he choose? 
a weak person who was willing to say, Lord, I don't know how all this works, but hey, you can use me. I'll do it. So weakness is not really a problem. Your history is not a problem. I hope I have beaten that down hard enough. And then, <laughs> and, and then you, so do it. Even if you think you're weak, you can do it. Two, it's good for you because the river of life, believe it or not, is in you. Heaven is in you, but heaven is locked up in you, and heaven wants to go out. So unlock heaven. Heaven has all the power. Heaven has all the wisdom. Heaven even knows the timing of things. So just listen to that. Heaven wants to come out of your belly. That sounds a mystery, but that's the truth. It says so in 1 Corinthians 3.16, like I said, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it gives the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the disciples. When they were added to him, it was just one piece. If you did not do it, anything with it, it would remain one piece of bread. The multiplication happened as people added it out. There, if you don't read, when you read the Bible, you don't see a mountain, and it would have to be quite a big mountain feeding 5,000 men and their wives and children. You're talking about 15,000 meals. That would be quite a package of meals. But it doesn't say Jesus multiplied, then he had it out. So that thing that God has for you to, to, to even feed you, as you see in this multiplication, is you have to have it out. It multiplies as you had it out. Otherwise, it will stay, that single bread. And Lord forbid if you eat it, you will not have food for tomorrow. So the gifting in you, and this time it's not even just money. It's the love, really. The bottom line is love. We are commanded by God to love our neighbor. The command, the purpose of the gospel is to pass off the love of God, to reveal the love of God. And love will be manifested in certain actions, acts of kindness, choosing to do what is right, choosing to do what revealed in your, by the Holy Spirit, this is the right thing to do. That will remain small. It will not multiply until you give it out. Because this is the way the kingdom of God works. It is a seed even in the natural. You take a corn of, of whatever, a seed, you, you keep it to stay for thousands of years. It will not multiply. But you multiply it, that seed will, will grow to... to I don't know, to feel the whole world, really. There's no limit to how much it can multiply. But if you hold it, keep it in your pocket, it'll be like that. So you have a lot more than you think you do. It's in seed form. It's a corn, one piece. But as you start handing it out, it will spread, it will expand. And you look at this feeding of 5,000. They did not only feed 5,000, but they had 12 baskets to spare after they had eaten themselves. So there's more than enough. But in the mystery of the kingdom of God, he does not give you a mountain of stuff to see. This is why it's faith. He tells you, go ahead, reach out and touch. There will be enough after you have given what you have, but not before. Uh, you will remain with that seagull thing. And again, it is demonstrated with Elijah and the widow who had this flour and, and, and a little oil enough to make one, one meal. And, and they are going to die, her and her son. But what did the prophet say? Make me a little cake first. And she did. And then there was meal for one. And they made meal for the next day. And the neighbors heard about it and came. And she made meal for them. But I guarantee you that she didn't have mountains. She did not have to rent space 
to store flour and oil. All she had was her pot of flour and pot of oil. Because the power was in the kingdom of God that had come in the person of the prophet. As long as there was somebody to feed, there would be the flour and the oil. And as soon as it was not needed, it ran out. She could have fed the whole city, but it did not multiply and then go. So the, the seed, the gift, the power that God has to fix the things you need fixed, to supply the things you need supplied, to face the world that we are facing into the future, is in you, in a seed, in the Holy Spirit. Reach out and touch somebody's heart. Make this world a better place. Yes, you can. Okay? So it's good for you. And I have, a, again, going back to that, I have an example from my life again that right about, oh, in the mid-1990s, after we had arrived in the United States of America, my wife and I just had a, ran into a lot of troubles. We had not even intended to stay. We were going to stay here, do our PhD, attend to a few things, and go home and get wealthy and live happily ever after. <laughs> but it didn't quite work out the way we had planned. Around about 1995, we hit some really bad stuff, really, really nasty stuff that, that our whole world was turned upside down. So we, we were dealing with health issues. My school, I thought I was very smart when I was coming to the United States, but I was in the danger of being thrown out of school, you know, that wasn't computing very well. And you don't go back to Africa having failed. The honor the, world, the culture of shame is, is a, there's no provision for somebody who goes to get a PhD and fails. You might as well never have done it. You, they, they would not even hire you, even for the other degree that you have. It's just a shameful thing to go and fail. So there we were in a really bad place. And, and the answer the Lord gave to us, we, we were going to a Bible study. Some gentleman was holding a Bible study for Africans downtown on 6th Street. Bradford was his name. And, and we would go there for our own prayers, for our own needs. Then one morning he comes and says, you know, I'm going to visit my kids in New York. Can one of you hold this Bible study? And, and, and he's looking around and everybody's bedding their eyes because it's too much trouble. You have to wake up early. We used to meet like 8 a.m. You had to wake up early, clean up your apartment, yada, yada. Uh, but when his eyes landed on me, uh, whatever. Okay, I said, sure, I'll do it. So folks came over the next Saturday to my apartment, and Bradford never came back. <laughs> the, the Bible study stayed in my house. He did come back, but when he came, he said, you know what, David, this thing belongs with you, I think. Uh, and I'm moving out of town. So, so whatever, you shut it down, or whatever, I'm done. I'm moving out of town. So we continued on this thing. Against my, I didn't want to do it. But this was God's answer to our problems. Because you know what I had to do every week? Read the Bible like I've never read it. I had never read the Bible this much until up to this time. And people would come to me and they are asking me questions. We have people asking marriage issues. They want my answers. They have people with this kind of problem. They want answers from me. So I was in serious trouble. I had to study. I had to pray. I read books. I went to the pastor and begged for help. And he would give me stuff to read. And then pray over me. Go, Give it your best, boy. <laughs> yeah. But later after a few years, I recognized that, in fact, this was God's answer to our problems. 
because I was growing. I found out that instead of focusing on our problems and, and woe unto us, who will come to help, I was actually getting the answers I needed from the word. That's why I got this word from Matthew 6.33. That has been the anchor to my life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things shall be added unto you. And that was anchored deep into my soul. That no matter what I face, if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things shall be added unto you. So reach out and touch. No matter how weak you feel, because God can use weak people, reach out and touch because it's good for you. You release the river of life. Reach out and touch because that's an age of knocking for all you know. That could very well be Jesus answering your prayers. Only he looks like some guy asking for help. Reach out and touch because you'll make a big, big difference. Something God wants done, but your action, although you don't know that that's what you're addressing, will be addressing a thing that God wants addressed. Reach out and touch because you make a big difference in heaven. The Lord says, as you did to the list of this, you did unto me. And the clock says, I better quit. And, and I think that's, <laughs> I think that's, but anyway, that's, that's my point. I'm here to encourage you to reach out and touch. You can do it. Step out of your comfort zone. Do, resist the urge to, to back away. Take baby steps and reach out and touch. And we really can. And we will change the world. We will make this world, our city, and the whole wide world a better place. And yes, we can. Amen? Amen. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Okay. Let's all start and we pray. And by the way, we're supposed to give an altar call, right? <laughs> okay. So, again, if, if you don't have Jesus, I was responding to the Holy Spirit in you. If you do not have Jesus in you, you don't have that power to go beyond what you can do in the natural. So, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your day. It's really easy. Jesus has already paid the price. All you have to do is acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you're not as smart as you make out to be, that you need help, and that you'll be bold enough to step forward and accept that, and it's a gift from God. Anybody? Anybody want to accept that? No? Okay, that's all right. Then we'll pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you have given us the, the, the action and the tools that we need to reach out and touch. And I thank you, Lord, that it is the truth. We, through your Holy Spirit, have the power to turn the tide on all the evil that is coming as a flood because we have the standard of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, for an encouragement for every person here who wants to touch, but they feel limited. They feel, they feel unworthy, Lord. I pray today you'd speak to them and you'll cause them to hear when you touch their hearts to reach out and touch the next person. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you, David. Stay here a minute. Perpetua, would you come? Uh, let's pray for Perpetua and for David. They have a nation, Kenya. Uh, they have a heart for. Um, they have a heart for us. Thank God for right now. But how many of you believe this? This could be a man that God wants to use in uh, places, and we need to pray for opportunity for them to do what God has called them to do. 
not just here, but in the future, and that God will make provision for every single need that they have. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, we thank you for David and Perpetua. We thank you, Lord, that um, I believe that they're treasures that, that you have placed in the earth for such a time as this. I thank you, Lord, that the enemy may come and try to steal like he does from all of us, but we just put a hedge of protection around them, and we thank you for divine intervention in every arena of their life where the enemy would come and try to uh, bring confusion, try to try to divert them from the path that they feel that they're called to, to flow in. I thank you, Lord, that the blood of Jesus covers them and that they are mighty in the day that we're in. They are mighty that they both have opportunities where Perpetua is working and helping young people, helping people make right decisions, helping people find right answers, uh, trusting Jesus to help her speak into the lives of those children. I thank you for for David at their, the university. I just ask you to protect him from those that would uh, not know and not have the understanding of the truth of Jesus that would come against the truth that's in him. I thank you, Lord, that he has boldness. Thank you that the work that he's doing at the university, that he will excel and people will see that, that he is guided by somebody bigger than himself. And we just thank you, Lord, that every need that they have is met according to your riches and glory.